there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, Musa, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I've taken delivery of two new sweatshirts. Oh, well, look at you go. <laughs> taken delivery. <laughs> I had a very nice uh, meal with a friend and his wife and their adorable daughter the other night. And he, yeah, so that was lovely. Spoiled yeah. me some fancy, well, it's not fancy cuisine, but some very lovely homemade cuisine. But yeah. Oh, times. that sounds lovely. Yeah, yeah, good times. We hope everyone else is staying safe, staying well, wherever you are in the world. Today, well, actually, some admin very, very quickly, mm. kind of relating to today. Today, we're recording this way, like, this is going out Thursday, but we're recording this way early because uh, we've got a work thing. Mm. A very fun work thing. It's going to be a fun work thing. If you don't follow Stadio on Instagram, Stadio Football is our Instagram. If you want to go and follow us on there, you will see the work thing. Yes. Over the next few days, we're going to be kind of posting it on there. But yeah, very fun. So cool. Excited. So, so cool. Writer's House is going to be you and Ian. I can't do Writer's House on, on Friday. Um, I'm really excited about this one. It's also Ian's birthday. Yeah. And not just any birthday. It's a big one. Special. Special birthday for special human. Make sure you check that out. And then, yeah, Stadio will go up a little bit later on Monday. But yeah, that's all the admin. So today we're recording this ahead of Thursday, like we mentioned. So we're just going to, we're not, we're going to swerve all results and news. And we're just taking some questions about the season so far. So it's mailbag time. Let's open up the mailbag after this. All right, man. So before we actually start, we have got not a question, but a story. Mm. It comes from Edward K. who says, not a question, but a story that made me think of you guys. Recently moved to Brighton and joined one of the many commercial gyms in the city. It's not fancy, and on Monday morning it was crowded and loud. I was not feeling motivated. Suddenly, as I started training, I noticed a familiar face on the treadmill. His earpods were in, he was jogging at a fast speed, and he looked super focused. I had to double take to confirm this man was in fact Roberto De Zerbi. Oh no, wow. I immediately started working harder. I felt <laughs> sure that he was watching me. When I left, I found myself wondering why he isn't using a more exclusive gym. And then I realised he comes here because he's bored motivating athletes. He's such a good coach. He wants to make sure all of us mere mortals are working hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Imagine seeing Deserby, you start running like you're trying to beat the press. <laughs> I can do it too. I can do it too, Roberto. So good. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> so good. Thanks, Edward. That was great. All right, let's have First question comes from, <laughs> ah, a familiar name, Carl Anker. Huh, fancy seeing him here. Carl <laughs> says, would you rather be a Leon fan or an Ajax fan at the moment? Yikes. Leon, I think. You think? Yes, because, 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 
the trouble that Ajax are in will lead to an existential crisis in a way the trouble that Leon are in won't. Because it's one thing struggling in the league, right? But it's another thing with the kind of backdrop because when Ajax struggle, it's like... When Ajax struggle, it's like damaging one of the faces on the um, Mount Rushmore, right? Do you know what I mean? Because it's, it, it's, a, it's a thing that it can't just be... Ajax can't just struggle in the league. It has to be this inquest into the nature of society and like the nature of European football. And it becomes this bigger thing where you're just trying to get a club to have better results. So I'd much rather struggle at Lyon than Ajax. Not saying that Lyon's not a great institution. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Lyon have easier wins as an institution than Ajax do. Like there's easier ways out. Like even when the men's team is struggling, the women's team is still a flagship and you can kind of take solace in that. You're still going to away games. You're still seeing a path forward. But what Ajax are in now, there's an existential crisis, especially with so many of its graduates, both footballers and coaches struggling. Ten Hag is struggling. So it's not just that Ajax, the club, they're in trouble. It's the product. And that creates... Mm, yeah. That's, that's my view on it. That's why I'd rather... But that's, that's, my, that's my own... I go the other way. I'd rather be an Ajax fan because I think Leon are in trouble, like big, big trouble in Liga. In this specific case, I think Carl is referring to like the positions of the teams in their respective leagues, like the men's teams. No, I know. And, that, and that, I, mean, I mean that, but I mean, I'm saying exactly that. I'm saying that... This is my point. This is exactly my point. The reason I said prefer to be an Ajax fan because I just don't think Ajax are going to go down. I think I think Ajax are, have a far greater chance. Like they 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 pick up a point from their two any of their two games in hand, mm. and they're only a point off the team in the the play the playoff spot, the relegation playoff spot. Mm. I think it's far easier for Ajax to get out of that position than it is for Leon. Like Leon are like struggling. They've yeah, got yeah. a game in hand, obviously, because the game at the weekend was postponed. But they've got three points, seven points to Lorient to get out of safety already after nine games. Lorient have played 10. That is a far greater hurdle to go, go uh, to get over than Ajax, who I think will stay up eventually. I just think that they're, they're, they're almost too, I know that this is a bit of a cliche, but they are, they, are too, they are too big to go down. You'd think that Lyon are, but I just think that Ligue 1 is, what Ligue 1 is just a deeper and more difficult league to get out of trouble in when you're struggling. And I just think that, yeah, for me, I, it's not even a, ain't no doubt in my mind about that. <laughs> I'd say Ajax fan all day. Yeah, but I'd rather, I'd rather struggle as, yeah, see, I'd rather, I'd rather I go with Leon for that reason. Because I was looking at it from the kind of, the overarching crisis of confidence. Yeah, but I just don't, I don't think people, I don't think when you're in those positions, like, for example, like no one at Ajax is thinking about how Donny van der Beek or Eric Ten Hag are getting on and, that, and that's not affecting their see, fandom. These, these are the things anything. that I think about. I'm not an Ajax fan. I'm someone that looks at all a certain way. So if you're asking me who I'd rather be struggling with, I'd be like, that's, that's the struggle I'd pick. I'm that's, just basic. No, no, you're not basic. You're just, I just want my team to get out of trouble. I look at it differently. I'd rather be, yeah. I'd rather be in, in, in Leon's positions than Ajax's one. But that's my own. That was the question Carl asked. That's why we do this podcast. How boring would it be if we agreed? How boring would it be if we agreed? We agree a lot of the time. <laughs> mm, do we really? <laughs> But Ajax are in a weird place. That's another conversation. They are in a weird place. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But they, I mean, it feels like there's a... Ajax wouldn't be Ajax without a massive crisis at least once a decade. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's true. So, yeah. All right, Luke Neff says, all the kids play Fortnite and post videos about the new meta. Whatever the latest, greatest overpowered tactic is at, as the game changes. I heard some say Pep bought loads of ball carriers and that's the new meta. But I don't think I've really seen that yet. What's the new meta? I kind of like this question. 
Do you know what? Can I can I just throw one out there? It's not a new meta, but you know when like all of a sudden, like I remember, for example, when Match of the Day first started listing expected goals on their statistics, mm. and it was like everyone was going on about XG, and I loved it because there's there are these things that bubble away under you know, like the stats or analytics community or whatever. Mm. Not that we're in that, but you know, we, you know, we both read quite, we both read quite a lot about that yeah. actually. But I think my favorite at the moment is out of possession. It's finally here. You think that everyone's going to talk about that in terms of shape out of possession? That's the thing that It is, talking. man. People are talking about it out of possession. It's out of possession is on, on the rise. On the mainstream. I think that's right. I think when I look at it, I think Pep, does Pep, Pep doesn't change football. He brings stuff back. He does change it, but he brings stuff back. Like for example, the three two five is old as time. The false nine is old as time. And he brought that back. Like, you know, what's a Hungary were doing that. They came to the to Wembley and like, oh, there's no one to mark. Like Pep is very, very good because he's a football historian. He goes back and he studies stuff. Like Pep looks around and he's like, Oh, football's ecosystem hasn't coped with that threat in a while, so he returns it. Out of possession stuff, I feel that is that still feels quite new, actually. I think it's the I think it's the one that's about to pop though. I think yeah. Peps, do you know what Pep is? It's like Dilla digging in the $2 bin. That's true, that's true, that's true. Flipping samples. You know, the thing about the, the what, what I think Pep did also do and that is interesting, I'm not saying the back three is new, but the ball playing back three like this, basically like, we don't need a fourth defender. Because, you know, back three before was supplemented by, by wing, by, it was supplemented by, it was basically a back five. Whenever you saw a back three, you're like, oh, it's really a back five. No, it's really not. And that is actually, that mm. does feel quite new where you've got a back three where actually there's no one to bail you out. But do you not remember we had a conversation about this? I remember you and I had a conversation about this years ago mm. about how, um, I think it was to do with, someone was talking about Arsenal needing a holding midfielder and it was when they were going after Kadira, I think. I might have even mentioned it on, on the stadio before. Yeah. And a load of people were like, no, no, we need like a, a proper like cruncher kind of thing. And I was like, no, because the thing is that you only actually need that player for like eight games a season. Right. The rest of the time, you're going to have so much of the ball that you actually don't need someone whose sole no. responsibility is just to clean up. You don't. You really don't. You've seen that with Pep, basically. I think Pep has just Stones and Rodri, finally yeah. just realised it's like, these guys are so good. We're actually, the, you've got Rodri in front and he who, who can drop back in and you actually don't need any other quote-unquote defenders yeah. really in the side because we're just not, we're not going to give up that much of the ball to need them. Yeah. Pep, Pep is, yeah, he's the classic example of back to the future, isn't he? Hmm. He digs all the way back in time to find stuff that hasn't been used in a while and then somehow makes the innovation. Like what John Stones is doing feels new. Like there, there's going to be a whole generation of footballers that grow up watching John Stones going, I'm going to be that guy. In a way that like, we you know, we grew up being like, wanted to be like, you know, I'll be like a number nine or like whatever, or number hmm. 10. And there's a generation of footballers who are going to grow up being like, I want to be a progressive ball carrier in a midfield too, mm. when someone sits. Like, and not a box to box, but a very specific line breaking, passing like this. Like, it's just the John Stones thing. It's so funny, actually. I look at him and I know this is slightly off piece or off topic, but his evolution as a footballer is stunning, actually. If you think of the expectation on him when he left and went to City, and then it wasn't quite working, but the reason it wasn't quite working is because he was, you know, like, he's downloading all that data from Pep. That's mm. why I think it took so long, not just the injuries. It was like, he was becoming something and learning to be something new. It was like watching someone go from being, I don't know, a Hollywood character actor 
to being a blockbuster star. Do you know when Matt Damon went from being like Goodwill Hunting to like Jason Bourne? That's basically <laughs> what John Stones has done. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, that's why it was such, I mean, and when, do you remember when, when he first played Jason Bourne, we were like, Matt Damon is an action hero. And now it's like, no one questions it. Action hero abandoned in space. It's kind of like, yeah. get you a man who could do both vibes. Here's, and here's, here's my thing as well. Here's my thing at my John Stones. The John Stones, Matt, John Stones is the Matt Damon of football and vice versa. John Stones every now and again just wants to play old school centre-back hoof it clear just for old times' yeah, yeah. sake. <laughs> scream Avit. Yeah, I think, I think he's dying for that. He's like looking wistfully back towards the centre-backs going, oh, I wish I could join you. I'm not. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't, I can't see John. This is Hall, Erlen Holland's fault. I can't look at John Stones now without just thinking the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> Hall is low-key funny, but. I can't. Yeah, he's really funny. I can't, I can't stop thinking about John Stones without him busting the dance moves after when the... Uh, the title at that time was it the just, he seems yeah, yeah he, seems I like like him. A, he seems like he's all right John Stones yeah. so those the right. so you're out, you're out of possession and my thing is that the John Stones role I think is it feels new actually like and it's not not I don't I don't, I don't mean like in a midfield too I mean that specific like that stepping first, out of defence yeah, into midfield that, 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 yeah. Yeah, is it not is, is it not quite reminiscent though it's Beckenbauer of, it's Beckenbauer yeah I was going to say like, so it doesn't feel super new in that sense but it feels like a modernised version it's back to the future a, it's back to the future yeah. I think out of I, I do think out of the possession I do think that is I feel like that is actually quite new it's Beckenbauer remastered for IMAX ah, yeah perfect <laughs> um, uh, Daniel Ahmed says after watching the Beckham doc hmm it seems like free kick goals are a lot more common. Mm. I don't know. Beckham Maybe it's broke, just highlights. Beckham Maybe broke football. Highlights. Beckham yeah. broke football. Why has that changed and who are your top three free kick takers? I think the reason it's changed is just because I think people have become a lot more aware of the statistical probability of scoring a direct free kick and then maybe don't just like go for it from 40 yards. Mm. Yeah, right. Even if you look at a lot of that football from the Beckham documentary, which is really interesting, is that you look at it and it feels, it was obviously not because these players were just playing the game at the highest technical level that, that was there at the time. But some of the actual football that they were showing in the highlights looks quite primitive now. What they chose, you know, they chose, can I be honest with you, as someone that watched, you know, that season, they deliberately, I think they, they chose bad stuff. No, no, I mean like through the whole thing, like even like some of the Real Madrid stuff, like for example, it's rare that it was, and I think that's a lot of it's down to Beckham's playing style. So they were focusing on the passing that he was spraying about, mm. but very, very rare that you just see a Real Madrid side just ping balls across the pitch now. Like, Also, don't be I mean? funny, that team was a mess. It was a bit all over it was, the place. It was, it was an yeah. absolute mess. I mean, I watched, yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched a lot of that Real Madrid team, the Galactus team, and it was absolutely... Even people who were very sympathetic to Real, people who'd you know, played for them were like, this, this is how they're all going to play. This mm. is, yeah. But my top three free kick takers of all time, I would say, are in no order. Janino Penambucano. Yeah, has to be there. Lionel Messi. Yeah. He made people unsure how to, how to defend a 20-yard direct free kick, which I just think is wild. <laughs> it's wild. And he's still doing it. Um... Hmm. The third one, I'm unsure about. See, Beckham's definitely in my three. I think he. Do you know what? Yeah. I just think he is. That's a that is a good I three. Think all three of them just broke expectation because when Beckham mm. was scoring at that rate, it wasn't like other people were like, "Oh yeah, like we'll take the torch and run with it." Beckham was out in a league by himself. Messi has, and the amazing thing for Messi is it's the thing that he improved in his game. Hmm. 
like Thierry Henry did. Henri basically took that. And Henri actually, his first few free kicks, he wasn't really nailing. And then he just went on a run where he was just dangerous. Mm. Very dangerous for a few years. There was a moment where Henri was playing like, uh, I think it was like Pro, there was, I think it was Provo, maybe PS6. Mm. There was a point where like, it was either Henri or someone like, someone like him was on there. And if you shot from anywhere within 40 yards on that game, it would fly top corner. It was almost like a, that, there was one Pro Evo that had like the highest playability of any football game I've ever played. It's mm. never been replicated, I don't think. It's, it never has. Like FIFA, I think massively, well, EA Sports, EA massively took over as the game. Mm. And the features on it are unbelievable and stuff like that. But there was there was one aspect of that one. I think it was PS6. It was either PS4 or PS6, where the playability was so off the charts. And I think a lot of it was down to the fact that like it was just fun. Mm. And that, and I think there was that thing about Henri where he he was the only player actually I think who has ever played as closely to their computer game character right. in real life. That's fascinating. I love that. Okay. Because, you know, it was like the West Ham, the West Ham goal at Upton Park mm. in that blue kit with the O2 on it. The anger strike. Just the turn and... The and anger like, strike. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that easy for a footballer to score from there. Against so a goal, consistently. Against a shot stopper of that quality. The goal away at Sparta, uh, outside of the right foot where he broke the record. Out of this world. That's in the Champions League From, game. from that distance. From that distance. That's in the Champions League game. It's, it's, it's not, yeah. It's, it's not, not like, it shouldn't be, football shouldn't be well, that the goal, easy. The goal, against, the goal against Real. The goal against Real. Yeah. But I mean, that I think is just some, some old fashioned grit, mate. But that, but again, you don't, but get, yes, Sergio it is, Ramos but, not against, the, but not against those players. Not against. I know, it's, I know, it's, it's, I know. Oh, but you look at the place, names on the back. You know. Yeah. You look at the names in the back of the shirts, these going past, you're like, oh my God. And like, by the way, before I forget on those, on the top three dictators of all time, I think those are the top three. I just want to throw in as honorable mentions. I want to throw in honorable mention just for Ronald Koeman. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, just because I don't think he was, look, I, I still prefer those three because they all did things, they demoralized goalkeepers. I, the, I, Leo Messi is the one player I've seen from free kicks who's consistently demoralized goalkeepers. Like I've always said that, the free kick in the rain against Real Sociedad of the Anoeta when they were struggling to win there for a long time in the 4-2 and the, they, the wall jump. The wall jump in unison and the ball is well clear of him. The ball ends up halfway down the net and the goalkeeper just throws up his arms. Like what, <laughs> what are meant to do? Like build, you know, build an actual wall? What, build an actual Thames barrier? Like a, a flood barrier? What are we meant to do to stop that? <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, Sinisa Mihailovic. Oh, actually, Sinisa Mihailovic as a free kick taker was um, extraordinary, actually. Mm. I think he's in the, t- yeah, he's in the top 10, isn't he? Lisa Mihailovic. All right, you talked about like, names on the shirts. Mm. It's a kind of loosely related question. Mm. Phil on Twitter, who's the Ask Guardian. Ah, I love that name. Which is the most iconic shirt number in all of football history? 10. It's 10. It's worn by the two greatest footballers of all time. Well, the three greatest footballers of all time. It's 10. I, it is 10, isn't it? Yeah, but actually that's a hill I would actually- It's not actually, my favourite number. It's not my favourite number, but it it's is It's the 10. most iconic. It's 10. It means the most when anyone, any kick around, 
11 a side game anywhere in the world and someone has the 10 shirt on, that's a statement. That's a thing. That is a, it's an actual thing. You go onto a pitch and someone's wearing a 10. It's a thing. It's such a specific, like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but like I wore 10, like just a couple of times at school and it was such a beautiful feeling. It was like, it was such a, it was just amateur mm-hmm. football, like, but wearing a number 10 shirt, it's like, oh, you're wearing that today. And it's like trust. But I, I don't think I looked at my coach as so much like gratitude as I did then. It's the knowledge that you'll be given this permission to like float and find space. Because in a, in a game like football, where there's so many variables to control, to be trusted in the middle of chaos, right? In any context in life, in anything, to be trusted with freedom in a complex, fast-moving world, and football is one of the most complex, fast-moving sports of all, is something it's extremely special, man. The 10 is the one for me. Oh, such a romantic answer for such a romantic <laughs> number. And you're like, oh, it's you should 10, do a podcast, it? man. You should do a podcast. <laughs> Honestly, I think you'd be really good at it. <laughs> Although we have to say that the actual most iconic shirt number of all time mm. is uh, even Zamorano's one plus eight. Oh my <laughs> God. The, yes. Yes. <laughs> Most chaotic. Most the chaotic. The guy who just could not bear not being number nine so much that they just stuck a plus symbol in between his one and eight on his inter shirt. Which I just don't, I assume it wouldn't be allowed now because of all the kit regulations, I imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Kind yeah. of wild, like wild how rogue 90s and early noughties football was. Yeah, it is wild. Like now, thinking about it, we thought it was like, oh, back then we were like, oh, it's called the Barclays. Oh, or the Carling. It's the Champions League. Oh, God, it's so <laughs> corporate. And now you look back and you're like, Oh, how rogue. How rogue. <laughs> <laughs> one plus eight was so, so cool. I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> uh, quick one, because this will be a quick answer from Guy. Uh, is the only man who can fix the problems at Manchester United Big Ange? No. <laughs> oh, no, poor. Do you know what? Can I, can, I, can, I, can I say, let me answer that and say, let Spurs fans live. I know. Stop trying to get everything. You know, let, let Spurs fans live. Let them live. Like, you know what? They've been on a journey, Spurs fans. They've been on such a journey. And I just want them to enjoy um, this season discourse free. Let's get this one from Gil Haven. What are your biggest surprises of the season so far, both good and bad? Spurs are the biggest surprise, both the good surprise. Like, I, I'm, not, I, I'm really, no, I'm surprised. I'm not going to lie. I'm surprised to see them top of the league and playing Ange football this quickly. Both of those surprised me. Like the, the fact that he has got them so quickly representing and playing, it's amazing how quickly that's happened. I will say that, I won't lie. I know he's, he's uh, and you know, kind of rightly so, everyone's, everyone's darling at the moment, Ange. Mm. With Postacogli going to Spurs, I'm not surprised at how he's managed to lift the mood of the club, mm. communicate with fans, communicate with the media. After a long line of very prickly managers, mm. you could even say Nuno was really because Nuno Espirito Santo had a, I mean, I actually, he's not in the, the Conte Mourinho camp by any means, but he had a, he had a, it, was, it wasn't a popular appointment. No. He had a really tricky start and, well, no, they won those games, didn't they? At the beginning, they went, uh, Nine points, zero goals conceded, I think, and then just all went south. But he wasn't having a great time. No. He was set up um, to fail, actually. Yeah, a little bit. And um, so, yeah, I think that 
someone who's such a good, who's, who's as good a communicator as Ange Postacoglu, I think was just going to lift, mm. lift the mood immensely, especially if you think that like how, how miserable it has felt for Spurs fans over the last few years. And then Harry Kane leaves. You, mm. you have someone like that. It's almost kind of like, you know, just need, just need a big Ange to take you by the hand and tell yeah. you everything's going to be all right kind yeah. of thing. And yeah. it's, it kind of is like that, right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm not surprised at that. I am surprised at how quickly they've clicked into being so confident and like you say, being top of the league. I think there are really boring, miserable caveats to that, mm. but they don't really matter. Like who cares really? Exactly. Like, that's and and that's mean. like, who cares, man? Like there's enough, there is enough horrible, 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 dreadful shit going on in the world right now mm. that if you can't enjoy your football team doing well without some narc being like, mm. Well, you need to play these teams. Can away. I say it's just bigger like, surprise? So what, man? Bigger surprise in a bad way. Union Berlin. I knew they were going to be my surprise. I, yeah. I knew. Don't get me wrong. I knew they'd be stretched a bit with the Champions League, but this, this is really, this is con- this is concerning. But the thing is, they're not even picking up draws. This is it. This is why I worry. There's like a dressing room thing, and I worry. Actually, do you know I worry? I worry they're going to make the wrong, I worry that Union are going to like find the wrong solution to the, this is the problem. They're going to draw the wrong conclusion from it. And I worry they might, I worry about Urs Fischer. Yeah, me too. I think he's got enough credit in the bank though. I hope he does. Well, I hope he does. But I think that safety is now becoming, it's the priority. priority. And look, it's just Um, one, if they stay up and they struggle to stay up, it's just one bad year. But I really like the way they've grown, but they were the big, they are the big surprise for me. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think, I think, do you know what though? I think there have been green shoots a little bit. Like, I think against Napoli in particular, mm. you know, Urs Fischer made a couple of changes and kind of they looked a little bit like the old Union. You look at those Champions League results, actually. Maybe that is the place for optimism. They haven't really been worked in the Champions League. You think those are good teams? They haven't been blown away in the Champions League. No, that's the mean. Everything's those been good, narrow. Yeah. Those are good teams. So it's almost like and looking at that. Very experienced Champions League teams. Even Braga. Good side. Maybe just stepping back taking a breath and going, okay, look, we have the quad to get out of it. Let's build from the back again. Let's get secure, get solid because Verda needs to be the low point in terms of that first goal going in. Yeah. I looked at that and the communication problems there. I was like, that needs to be fixed. But you start from there, get a draw, just get a draw next. Aim to get mm-hmm. a draw and then move from there. But yeah, Spurs and Union are the two surprises for me. I'm not entirely sure if it's a surprise, but um, Leverkusen, the reason I say it's not so much of a surprise is because the site, it, this is basically just a continuation of last season. Absolutely. And with the teams around them in a kind of transition, they were always, they, were, they had a momentum where they could pick up the slack. They could actually... Yeah, the Bayern result was the big one. Like drawing, drawing against Bayern was a bit like... Right. Mm, because the last time okay. Leverkusen were doing something, they lost to Bayern, didn't they, just before Christmas? Yeah. And they just went, they fell off a And cliff. then that was it. Yeah, yeah. under Bosch. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, they never, they never actually recovered from that game. No. Do you know what actually has been a bit of a surprise if you were staying in Germany is St. Pauli starting to score a load of goals because they started the season without really scoring any mm. goals and they were picking up draws and they were picking up wins here and there but it was like and then all of a sudden they just kind of exploded mm. and um, yeah top of the top of the Zweite Bundesliga That's big It's huge Jackson Irvine wearing the armband What? what You'd laugh we, Should we stay in Germany because we've got one from Ross Yeah let's do it uh, Stadio Ultra He's going to Berlin at the end of January and they would ideally looking for a modern style restaurant. Really enjoy Leela and Fruit. We're not going to advertise restaurants on here, Ross. Um, 
Maybe we'll DM him a, re- a restaurant recommendation. <laughs> yes, actually, I've got I've got one I couldn't. What what kind of restaurants are you looking for? A modern style restaurant. Modern European style restaurant. Oh my god, I've really got enjoyed Leela and Frida. I've got Any a great one. Got a great one. Got a great one. Are you going to say it on the show? Just say it. Just say it. Come on. So uh, I would recommend um, Cookies Cream near Unterdane Linden. Vegetarian food, next level, and the sommelier Michelin star. Is, the, the 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 sommelier Ooh, is. Oh, look at you go. Power excellence. Wow. Power excellence. Listen, we contain multitudes. <laughs> Ross actually had another question. Oh, and something football related. What's the most slept on league in Europe? The anti-catfish. Oh, it is quite good. Greek Super League. Ooh. Because they have the playoff system as well at the end, right? So it always gets a bit feisty. Mm. Um, and I know I'm going to, I'm going to, everyone's going to roll their eyes at this, but and it, I'm not you sure if it's yeah. even like the most slept on because I just bang on about it all the time. Say it, say it, say it, say it. Say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Say it. No. <laughs> I used to live with this. You're like that cat I used to live with. And like you let it out oh, the back the door, fuck? but it wouldn't, it wouldn't come in the back door. You like come in the back door and it, was, it wouldn't do it just because even though it was shivering and it was raining, it would refuse because it was being invited. You basically like, called me stubborn. Yes. But, 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 you're the cat. You're the cat that won't come in the back door, even though it's freezing and it's raining. It's like, no, I'm not coming in because you told me to come in. <laughs> I'm like, but you want to. Still That's refusing. not my energy at all. If, if it, I want to come is, in, I'll come in. It's your energy in relation. It's not your energy, but in relation to this specific thing, it is your energy. Because he wouldn't say what everyone wanted you to say. You wouldn't give it to the people. But, all right. Do you know what? The say best it. league in Europe? Say it, say it. Na, 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 na. It's the Europa <laughs> League. It's the Europa <laughs> League. There you go. Yeah, see? Yeah, you thought I was going to say, you thought I was going to say Spite Bundesliga. <laughs> no one puts Ryan in a corner. <laughs> there he is. There he is. <laughs> 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 that is your energy that right you know there what? you deserve that <laughs> anyway what's your fucking best league <laughs> most slept on do you know what funny enough controversially I don't think there are any slept on leagues anymore I just think that football is so well covered and it gets I think leagues get point. so much of their props now that I think yeah. that leagues are fairly you look at like Ligue 1 the respect Ligue 1 has had in the last two three years I think it's and actually, shout out to Poch because Poch was on those, one of those coaches who came out and he was like, you know, blown away by the fitness standards in Liga. Mm. And by the way that Liga and coaches narrow the gap against PSG. And PSG almost, it's funny what they've done. They've almost created, because you have to be so good to even contend with PSG, they've dragged everyone up just because everyone's had to become so much tactically smarter to contend with them. Mm. Um, so the kind of gravitational pull they've had of improving other teams around them so now Liga now I don't think has slept on to the point where people are looking at Liga players knowing they've been battle hardened in a league with PSG and clubs like Monaco and Lille having to keep pace so even clubs even leagues that were maligned before aren't maligned like you mentioned Liga now people don't no people yeah. don't people, people, that's new isn't it so if you think yeah. about the quality of leagues and respect for them I don't know if there's a slept on league anymore do you know what I think? In, I, I don't think it's slept on in England at all because, mm. but also if you look at the the kind of richest leagues in Europe, it's mm. right up there. But the Championship is actually, a, <laughs> yes, is, yeah, yeah, it's such and it's such a slog and it's such a like. There are so many, there are so many fucking teams in that league. There's a flip side, and, yeah. So Karen, yeah. yeah, no, There's, no, I'm just saying. I think it's like I think it's a really 
you know, because because we cover a lot of top leagues around Europe and stuff, and like all well, that, we don't we don't really talk about the championship much. But it is, it is like it's a really fun league, and there is there is still that there's there's always a bit of an energy with some champions championship stuff, which is like it just feels a little bit more fun. Can I say my slight surprise then to your point on the championship? I have been slightly surprised by how much the teams that have come up have struggled. I'm not going to lie. I know that the resources, I, yeah, I know the resources mm. because generally teams come up, I think we've got a bit spoiled by teams like Brentford yeah, and Fulham to a lesser extent, teams that Bournemouth, come up. Bournemouth maybe, I mean, Bournemouth, they've been a while now. We've, we've been a bit spoiled by teams that have come up and like asserted themselves yeah. and made it work for them. Nice. And teams this year have come up playing their style, been true to themselves and it hasn't quite worked. And that has been a, that's been a real shame for the Premier League, actually. I think my one disappointment, my second biggest surprise has been how much they've struggled. I know the resources gap is there, but I think the problem is it's not because they're playing necessarily badly because Sheffield United, like, like Burnley, we knew their open style was going to get them hurt more. Sheffield mm. United have been blown away the last couple of weeks, but their shape is, you know, the problem is them coming up last time compared to now, the gap is just so much bigger. It's why when they got absolutely hosed 8-0 by Newcastle, I went easy on them because I'm like, look, that's absolutely an unfair matchup in terms of just, just the resources you have. Mm. The, the sad thing about the Newcastle... Actually, defeat, on that though, sorry, on that, I was going to say, but I think my, actually one of my biggest surprises of the season was Vincent Company's commitment to the cap t-shirt suit trainers. Because <laughs> it's just, I'm like, I think it's... I think it's <laughs> I think it's, I think it's causing, I think, I don't, I don't know. I think it's contributing. That's interesting. I think it is. I think it is. Is Pioli going a bit less Rolnick this year? Pioli, Pioli goes from like t-shirt to Rolnick. I mean, remember we had a alternated. very, very long summer in terms of temperature. That's true. So I was thinking maybe it was it's like that 20 odd, 20 odd degrees in October, I mean, I was wearing, I was wearing but, a Rolnick in June. Uh, oh yeah, I know, but I mean, can I, can just, I say, was, it's just, it was just attention. Can I say before, yeah, that's true. <laughs> on, on, not that it's about me, but since we're on the subject of myself um a good and a bad surprise i think in terms of you know my fellow fashionistas i wore a christmas sweater the other day yeah but do you not remember when we did a podcast last year yes and you were wearing one with lights on in august yes <laughs> yeah that's when i thought you might not come back for another season of stadio it's like i pushed him too far <laughs> all right let's have another question this one comes from aaron durand hey shout out everyday dude What's your next move if you're David De Gea right now? Oh my goodness. Do you know? Wow. Do you know what? There's, um, there's a question. Because it's a salary thing too. Purely. I mean, do you know who are the favourites? No, but do you know who the favourites are? No. Manchester United. That's wild. It would be a mistake for both parties. I think it would. Manchester United made the decision not to, not to offer him a new deal, right? So mm. David Hayes strikes me as someone who is more than aware that he will not be able to get the salary that he was on his previous contract. Not in Europe. He also strikes me as someone who probably doesn't want to hold out for that. Mm. So I think he does have two options. Saudi Arabia or, I mean, a lot of it, to be honest, is probably going to be personal stuff mm. 
Like for example, you know, with like Harry Kane, right? Uh, Kane's in Bayern, family's still in London because the kids are like at that age where they're just starting school or something, I think like that. And that plays a big factor in, you know, David De Gea has been here a long time, right? Yes, so yes. I don't know what his family situation is, but I'm, I'm assuming that there's probably a reason why by all accounts he hasn't moved yet. Mm. So I don't know whether Spain would be a thing. Uh, I mean, where would he go? Like all blacks at Atleti. Um, I can't imagine him going back to Atleti. I mean, maybe I could, but a second choice. But he's not going to get anywhere yeah, near as much money. Black. Not going to go over our black. Yeah, but he's going to be second choice, right? So I mean, yeah. if he wants to just go and be a backup keeper at a place that he's familiar with, then mm. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, he's not going to Real Madrid. Areza Balaga is there, and actually to play him quite well, I think. Yeah. Um, he's not going to go to Barcelona. I can't imagine him going elsewhere. They're pretty good for keepers at the moment, pr- aren't yeah. they, in Spain? I wonder whether he could do worse than maybe sign a, a, a short-term deal with the Premier League club. I mean, yeah, that's a good shout. Someone locally as well. I mean, like, you could... Do you know what would be fucking great is if he went to Burnley, actually. For him, if he's going to play... That's actually a good shout, you know. You know, down the road. Yeah. Won't have to move. You know, we were talking about Burnley before. Like, could be, could be a really, really it's valuable. A coup, I mean, if it had a coup for Burnley, what? if it was like, if it was, if it was doable, mm. I'd be, I'd, I'd be very surprised if someone hasn't made a few inquiries about that. Do you know that's that would work really well for both. Get him back in regular football, all that experience, all the stories, yeah, and like it's it's it, it'd be a prestige move as well. I like that actually. Ah, Burnley, nice shout. Hey, listen, man. I got ideas. Sporting director. Two more questions, I reckon, then we bounce. Yep. Voluntarily bald on Twitter says. Oh my God. (laughs) 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 Oh my goodness. Very nice nod to early stadio. Amazing. Do you think Arsenal not starting like a train like they did last year Mm. will benefit them in the long run? Oh, sorry. Will benefit them in the run in post-February? Yes. They look spent after about 12 games last year. Yes, I think so. I think it benefits I them. think so too. I like this start for them, actually. Less noise, problems to solve, and just building gradually. It just takes away some of the kind of clamour around all of it. Mm. Takes some heat out of the conversation. And actually, weird enough, this patient Arsenal, don't forget this patient Arsenal, beat City. Mm. In a tight game. In a very, very tight game. In a game that Pep will look at and be like, you know, it's one of those games where people will look at us and be like, oh, they're not top of the league, they're not this or that. But Pep will look at them and be like, mm, they've improved in areas. They're mm. dangerous. In a different way, they're dangerous now. Because they're dangerous when they're quote unquote dull. Mm. And that's something they weren't. Arsenal last year don't necessarily win that game in that kind of style, right? Um, so yeah, I think, they're, I think they're in some ways, and don't get me wrong, they're not as fluid. But in some ways, they're more impressive. Mm. In some ways, yeah. I mean, they've definitely become a lot, a lot less fun. But I think that's also because last season there was a lot of emotion involved. Mm. You know, all of a sudden Arsenal looked legit, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, it's been so long since we've looked this good." Yeah, I think it came a little bit ahead of schedule. You know, you got to just remember the year before was the season that they lost to Brentford on the opening day of the season, and everyone yeah. was just a bit like, uh, "What?" Not everyone. But yeah, like obviously we've talked about how that that uh, result has aged very, very well many times on the show. But I think Premier League is a really strange league. There's not a lot of space. Mm. 
aren't many gaps. You've got to be really fucking smart and quite patient, I think, a lot of the time. Teams are just too good, too well organised. I think that's why the bad teams in the Premier League, not bad teams because, you know. The struggling teams. Bad teams for the league, let's say, or struggling teams for the league, yeah. yeah. The drop-off is quite severe when that happens because everyone else is really, really good. Yeah. You know, even if they're not going to push for Champions League or even Europe, the middling teams in the Premier League are usually quite good. Or, or the, you have a mixture. You have teams that are essentially really well organised, performing at about the level of the squad, or you have teams who can't figure it out who have got massive resources. That's kind of what happens in the, in the middle, middle of the Premier League now. So yeah, I think for Arsenal, it's more about becoming a little bit more business-like. What City have done over the last few years is they've, they've made titles very business-like. Yeah. That's not a, like, a financial joke either. No, 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 no. It's in terms of take, they've taken the drama out of games. We've talked about it, yeah, because we said last season Arsenal couldn't, st- Arsenal couldn't keep maintaining these late wins and emotional victories because it's just going to exhaust you. Yeah, and it did. Arsenal keeping it boring, not necessarily in terms of playing style because I think it's you know, just teams are more prepared against them now, but in terms of just ticking along. Especially, you know, making yeah. small tweaks here and there. I, th- I think from my personal point of view as an Arsenal fan, I would much rather get to January being in contention and being like, yeah, it doesn't really feel like we've actually clicked yet, mm. but we're still like two points off top or something. I'd, mu- I'd rather be there than... Five points in front. Where Arsenal were last season, where it was just like, wow, we're kind of like... You know, when, <laughs> you know when you first learn to ride a bike, the first time the stabilizers come off and you go... Yes. You're going... But one wobble and you're in a, you're in the bushes. Yeah, it's, you're you in know? a world of hurt. And that's and that's kind of what it felt like. <laughs> Looking back now in hindsight, that's kind of what it felt like. Arsenal season was last season. No, I see that. I see um, that. And I'd much rather, you know, slow and steady. <laughs> totally, yeah, totally. Okay, can we, can we just shout out this question from Matthew Day before we go because we want to put it on record that we'd like to revisit this. Yes, just yes, yes. Anyone steals it? This is so good, and it got, we really wanted to do this, but I think it's going to take. I think we might do an episode on it. Mm, yeah. Because it's, it just sounds super fun. Matthew Day says, in honor of Ryan's love of the Spider Bundesliga. <laughs> what? I don't know. I've never mentioned that before. Uh, imagine if all the top leagues in Europe and the teams in them didn't exist. Create a Champions League quarterfinal solely made up of teams in the second division of European leagues. It's incredible. Do you know what I'd actually like to do that? I'd like to do that as a round table. That would be really fucking good, man. That's an incredible idea, actually. And there would have to be considerations not only of football, but also of food. Yeah, well, Jesus. <sighs> Sorry. I just... All right, well, you know, let's ruin that. <laughs> Enough to contend with, trying to make a Champions League out of second-tier sides, and Musa wants to throw in just... You can tell that Musa doesn't produce these shows, because Musa's just like, oh, do you know what else we should do? We should make it really complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, God, we're on a three-hour running time. <laughs> Uh, on that note, I think we should bounce. Let's bounce. Um, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are in the world. And um, don't forget, Wright's House with Musa Okwonga on Friday. Yeah, go check Stadio on Instagram, Stadio Football. I don't know, Stadio out in the world this week. Mm, very much so. And Monday's show will go up a little bit later, Monday afternoon slash evening. And uh, don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on a song that I can't believe we haven't played out on before mm. an absolute classic from Willie Wright right on for the darkness anything you would like to add Musak Wonga nothing further alright everyone much love have a great week have a great weekend we'll be back with you on Monday see you then see you then
The world 